Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil alemin. Ve sallallahu ve barak alel eşrafil anbiya ve mursilin. Nebiyyina Muhammed ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve sellem. Ama ba'd. Elhamdülillah. In our previous lesson we began or we continued with the discussion around al-asl al-thani, the second foundation, which was the discussion regarding the pillar or the foundation of Islam, ma'rifat al deen of Islam, knowledge of the deen of Islam. And we began by mentioning the first part of the, the shahada, the shahada of Allah ilaha illallah, and that the shahada of la ilaha illallah is made up of يعني, seven conditions as well as two يعني, pillars. Seven conditions are what, Ikhwan? Sidq is from one from them. Ilm, yeah, truthfulness, ilm, love. Kabul, ikhlas, qiyas, submission, and had mahabba already. Yaqeen is the last one. So, ilm, yaqeen. Ikhlas, Sidq, Muhabba, Inqiyad, Qubul. These are the conditions. And uh, uh, pillars are what? Barakallahu feekum. The first pillar is? And Nafi. And the second is? Naam. Barakallahu feekum. Ithbat. So Nafi, negation. And Ithbat, affirmation. Negation of anything that is worshipped besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As well as affirmation that the only one worthy of worship and truth is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And for today, then we go on to the second part of the Shahada. And Shaykh al Islam, Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, he goes on to mention the ayah. And the Muhammad and Rasulullah, with the lead, Kolo ta'ala, Kodaja'akum Rasulum in Anfusikum Azizun Alehi Ma'anitum Harisun Alekum Bil Mu'minina Rufun Rahim. And so, Shaykh al-Islam, Muhammad Abdul Wahhab, he mentions that indeed a message has come from amongst you. And he is a messenger who is concerned and is grieved of the harms that befall you, whilst he's anxious upon you or regarding you and your affairs as the believers. And he possesses kindness and pity for you as believers, and mercy. And so, Sheikh Zaid, he mentions that the Shahada of Muhammad Rasulullah affirms that Muhammad Wasallam, when a person states that Muhammad Rasulullah, it's an affirmation that he, والسلام, is the messenger of Allah. Well, I shak, and there's no doubt in that regard, in relation to his risala, in relation to his message. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has affirmed with his message, and has affirmed that his Prophet sallallahu now affirmed that he, his Prophet is Muhammad sallallahu which no doubt 
is a message that has been rejected by the Yahud and the Nasara. A message that is rejected by the Yahud and the Nasara. Rejected by the Nasara due to the fact, or the, yeah, the Christians, due to the fact that they cling to Isa alayhi salam, yani with a tent of extremism and excessiveness, where they worship him. And rejected, he's rejected, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, by the Yahud due to the fact that they state within their antiqad, within their belief that they are awaiting al Masih, that they are awaiting the Messiah. And so, due to this, Allah Ta'ala mentions and clarifies that indeed a message has come to you referring to the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And so, by way of this statement, this is a rejection of anything that is associated by way of the claims that he is not the messenger of Allah and that he is a messenger from amongst them. And that he's a, yeah, he's from Bashar, from mankind. As Shaykh also mentioned, Ta'rifuna Nasabuhu. And we know where he's come from, we know his lineage, we know himself as an individual, his truthfulness, the fact that he was trustworthy. Even in the time of Jahiliyyah, he was referred to as Al Amin. And why this is significant, no doubt, is that he was referred to and he was known for this amana, his trustworthy nature. So that when it came to the time that he addresses the people with the nubuwa, warrisala, when it came to the, to the extent where he's addressing the people, Regarding the prophecy, he's addressing the people regarding the message. They cannot now say that this individual, whilst they did say it, but it's not uh, it's not a claim that could stand up to any scrutiny to state that he, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, was untruthful, because this was an individual that was known for his truthfulness and trustworthiness. And so now this cannot now change just because he is saying something. I that those that oppose dislike. And this is significant in relation to his, uh, in relation to him, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, as an individual. From the reasons as well, why he, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, was regarded as being, yani, of this good character, and upright, and essentially regarded as being someone that was trustworthy. From the reasons for this, anyone know? From the reasons for this, why he was upright, he was upright even before yani, the prophecy came to him. Referring to a particular incident. He left the angel, Jibril. Jibril came. And he took the Took what? So what did he do initially? Jibril came to him, then what? So he did what? He opened the chest, took out, took out his heart, took the heart of the Prophet 
Naam, then? Removed a, por- a portion of, of, of flesh from the heart. Naam. And he mentioned what was that portion of flesh? Hadhul Iblis. Naam, this is the, the portion that was from the Iblis. Naam, then thereafter? He did what? He washed it in utensil of made from gold with zams and water. And then place in the heart. Anyone know who the narrator of the hadith is? One of the Mukthiri and the Sahaba. Naisha. No. We're getting three all of them. Four left. <laughs> three left. <laughs> Two left. <laughs> Two left. You said Aisha already. You said Aisha already. Huh? One left. Oh. No. I mentioned it then. Anas. Anas bin Malik. Qadim al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the narration of Anas ibn Malik. And Anas ibn Malik, عنه, he mentions within the narration that I saw the afr, so I saw the scar upon the chest of the Messenger of Allah. So he narrates the narration about the Jibreel came to Nabi while he was playing with the two boys and washing the heart. And then Anas adds يعني, further within the narration that I, I saw the scar upon the chest of the Messenger of Allah. And so this is an indication of why he had these this particular, this particular characteristic, even before the uh, message came to him, and even before the prophecy came to him, alayhi salatu wasalam. Now, and so, now, Sheikh Zayd goes on to mention, I raise this ayah, that the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, would grieve, and have concern in relation to the hardships or anything that are befalls are you as a nation, as the Muslims, as the Mu'mineen. And that he would want and desire for the believers to be relieved and have a way out from any hardships. I want for you a guidance, al hidayah so no doubt he was an individual, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that had kindness and pity from for Ahlul Iman, for the people of Iman. Why? They're the ones that answered the call. Ahlul Iman. They're the ones that answered the call of Allah. Answer the call of the Messenger Sallallahu So no doubt, because of their, that reality, he Sallallahu had a direct يعني, relationship with them and concern for them. And that I reached them and they answered it. Come in and how many people do you find? The Dawah reaches them, they don't answer. The Dawah reaches them, they hear the Dawah. They hear about Islam. They hear about Islam and in all of its detail, they don't answer. However, Ahlul Iman, they may have, they have, may have heard of the Dawah in terms of detail. 
They may have heard of the dawah in terms of yeah, they just okay, okay, attain, and they and they they accept it. So, due to the fact that they are the individuals that accepted this dawah, that no doubt the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam had concern for them and their affairs. Thereafter, Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad Abdul Wahab was mentioned. Ma'na shahada an Muhammad Rasulullah ta'atuhu fi ma amar wa tasdiquhu fi ma akhbar wa ishtinaba naha anhu wa zajar wa alla ya'budu Allah illa bima shara' And so here, Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad Abdul Wahab, he mentions particular umur when it comes to the shahada of Muhammad Rasulullah. Na'am. He mentions the first of them is the ta'a, obedience to the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So the Nabi, the Nabi informs us of an affair, commands us with an affair, we obey him. That's number one. Number two, tasdiq, that we believe him, in that which he's informed us of. For indeed, no doubt, he's only informing us of that which is haqq. Number three, ishtinaba naha anhu wa zajar. And number three is that we stay awake. And we avoid anything that he has prohibited for us. And number four, Allah ya'bud Allah illa bima shara'a Rasulullah sallallahu We do not worship Allah except for what has been legislated by the Messenger of Allah sallallahu By way of that which he has come with in relation to the Quran or that which he has legislated by way of the Sunnah the pure sunnah. So a person cannot say that they're worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon the sunnah of Isa alayhi salam or the sunnah of Musa alayhi salam or the sunnah of Nuh alayhi salam. The person must worship Allah upon the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi salam. And so this is what is mentioned here in relation to al-shahada uh, and the Muhammad Rasulullah. And so when it comes to the shahada of la ilaha illallah, we mentioned, we mentioned the conditions and we mentioned the pillars. When it comes to the shahada of Muhammad Rasulullah, then it has these four things. Every single one of these four things need to be in place for the one that is acting upon the requirements of the shahada of Muhammad Rasulullah. Thereafter, Shaykh al-Islam, Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, as I mentioned, wa dalil al-salah wa zakah wa tafsir al-tawheed qawlu ta'ala وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مُخْلِسِينَ لَحُدِّينَ حُنَفَاءَ وَيُكِيمُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَيُؤْتُوا الزَّكَاءَ وَذَلِكَ دِينُ الْقَيِّمَةِ And so, Allah Ta'ala, the proof of salah, zakah, and an explanation of tawheed as well. It's a statement of Allah Ta'ala, and they were not commanded except to worship Allah sincerely for him in the religion. As Hunafa, as upon the millet Ibrahim, the region of Ibrahim, they establish the prayer, they give the zakah, and that is the upright religion. And so, within this ayah, Allah Ta'ala mentions, of course, the first affair, which is the salah. Thereafter, the zakah. And he mentions this is the upright religion. And so we found that there's, there are, there's a dilla in relation to this affair of all of these, uh, all of these pillars. Uh, this, uh, this ayah, Surah Al-Bayyina, 
is one of them. Where Allah Ta'ala mentioned the salah along with the zakah. Along with the wujub, the obligation of ikhlas. The obligation of the person adheres to ikhlas in all of his actions. Whether that be in speech, the actions, whether that be apparent or within. And so when Allah Ta'ala says, And they will not command it, the creation will not command it except with Tawheed. And so, when it came to the affair of the ibadah, they were not commanded to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, except with this ikhlas. Whether that be ibadah of their wealth, how they spent their wealth, ibadah of how they how they exerted themselves in their body, or ibadah with, with the two of them together, they were not commanded except that this ibadah came along with ikhlas. It was accompanied with ikhlas. And no doubt, ikhlas is a rukun min arkan al kubur al a'mal. Yani ikhlas, the one that has sincerity, this is the pillar from the pillars of an action being accepted. The other pillar being mutaba'at al-rasul. That the person does the action in accordance with the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah. And what we understand from the pillars, a pillar cannot be, or if a pillar is missing, then the action cannot be completed. So if a person now does an action and it's Miflun Sunnah to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Tamaman Naam is absolutely like the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam However, he's performed this action for other than Allah And it's devoid of ikhlas And so because of that, the individual's action will not be accepted Of course, the worst action that, can have, that could uh, oppose ikhlas is Shirk al-Akbar when you hear the mention of, of ikhlas and you hear when they discuss the actions that oppose ikhlas, oppose sincerity, then generally you have the discussion around arriya, showing off, shirk al-askar, However, the reason for that is because the mention of shirk al-askar is shirk al-askar, yani the, the lesser form of shirk, nullifies ikhlas. It goes without saying that the major form of shirk will nullify ikhlas as well. If the person is directing their ibadah to other than Allah, then no doubt it cannot be said that this person is mukhlis. If the person is directing their ibadah due to the fact of riya'an, or sum'atan, naam, the person is directing their ibadah so that it could be, so they could be seen to do the action. Or so that it becomes widespread and it's heard amongst the people that they're doing this action then no doubt, this is, not for, this is not for the sake of Allah. And so it's devoid of ikhlas. As this is what is mentioned. Within the ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the hunafa. Yani hunafa, those that lean and turn away from shirk and all of its forms, whether it be the major or the minor. 
Al-Hunafa, the religion of Ibrahim, Al-Hanifiyya. Yani, the religion of Ibrahim, Al-Hanifiyya, where he freed himself from shirk and its people. Going back to what we mentioned previously, it's not enough that a person says they're upon Tawheed and they seek to act to be upon Tawheed. What is required from the individual, from the Muslim, from the Mu'min, is that he frees himself from shirk and its people as well. That he frees himself from the shirk and he frees himself from its people. And as mentioned, it's not sufficient that the person just says, I believe in Allah and I believe that we should worship him alone. And I worship him alone. As for the people that do not worship him, then this is something, that's their business, my friend. No. Upon us is absolute opposition to them. And I think it's poignant as well to mention in relation to this, because it's something which is, which is quite prevalent now, that you find the people, the Muslims, becoming proactive when it comes to the affair of their children, my friend. So they say, I, want, I don't want to put my children in school anymore. Or I want, to, I want to homeschool my children. Or I want to make hijrah. Now I want to leave this land. And you ask them, why do you want to leave now? Or why do you want to make, uh, why do you want to make hijrah now? Or why do you uh, want to homeschool your children now? Whilst your children have been in school for five years, six years. Yani sanawat. Why now? What would they say? Or what do you hear many people say? The LGBT. Ayo. Now. They say because it's LGBT. They say it's because of this, 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 this new movement of LGBT and they're imposing it upon our children. La shak. It's shark. It's evil. Naam. What they try to impose upon the, the children, whether it be the children of the Muslim, you know, other than them. It's evil. They try to impose yani ma'asi upon them. Yani kabair upon our children. And try to normalize kabair, the major sins, upon our children. But what about all of the years before, when they were doing Christmas, Easter, when they were when they were they were introducing the children to all of different forms of shirk and all of the idea and all different forms of kufr? And no one moved. No one was moved by that. It's almost like it's a, it's a case of my son. He can do whatever he wants as long as he's not gay. Now, if we do what he wants, it's not gay. But the reality is, what's aswa, what's worse, and what's ashnam, and all of that, what's worse than all of that, is associated partners with Allah. Being upon an action where you worship other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, where you don't give Allah ta'ala his right of worship. Allah ta'ala has created us. Allah ta'ala is the one that bestowed all of the blessings upon us that we see and the ones that we don't enumerate. And then you direct a battle to other than Allah. This is Aswat bi Kathir. This individual, if he dies upon that, is Khalim Khalid Finnar, he's in the hellfire for eternity. He will not be forgiven. But you were, there, was, there was a, a lax attitude towards that and his people. It's upon the people to really, no doubt, we should be aware of these, of these, uh, of these, these uh, culture wars, as they say, and these attacks upon the way, of the way that we seek to live and adhere to the haqq and adhere to the sunnah.
But understand that these individuals are not with us in Tawheed as well. And that's Al-A'la Shay. That's the greatest of all of these things. So it's a must that when, as, as, we, as we labor on the point, or we mentioned the point previously, it's a must that when it comes to the affair of our Tawheed, it's not just the Tawheed, but what opposes it as well, Shirk, that we free ourselves from Shirk and its people. It shouldn't, be enough, it shouldn't be something where we have a problem, and we should have a problem. We have a problem if, if we put our children in the schools and then they bring someone to the school that's transgender. We have a problem with that. But if someone comes to the school now that's talking about all of these other religions, naam, I, they do not batter eyelid, as they say. A person has to put everything in his correct place. A person must understand because this is, this is the itikad of the Muslim. The belief of the Muslim is that there is hierarchy when it comes to the affair of dhunub, sins. There's hierarchy in it. We're not the Christians where they say there's no hierarchy in sin. Where they say that no sin is greater than the other. No, as the Muslims we say there's the greatest sin that the person can fall into is shirk billah. And so we give it its due right. Allah Ta'ala knows best. And so this is when we mention this affair of ikhlas, and where Allah Ta'ala mentions the upright religion, the one establishes the, zak- the, the salah, he gives the zakah, and he adheres to ikhlas. He adheres to ikhlas in all of, these, on all of his affairs. Now, and that is, as mentioned, the upright religion. Allah Ta'ala mentions in the deen, in the Islam, indeed the religion of Allah is Islam. It's the deen that the religion that is only accepted by Allah Ta'ala is Islam. A person cannot now say that I'm going to follow this, this path because it, it, it's something that inclines to me. But you hear this, that this, this religion spoke to me. When you discuss things, for example, if you hear a person and he says that he's a born-again Christian and he will say, for example, I became Christian because I had this dream or had this experience, I had this something, that something. It's always something which is subjected to them. And they'll say, this is, this is why I, I embrace this religion. However, the reality is, is that the deen and the haq is absolutely objective. The haq is one. The haq is one. The ayat of the Quran, the sunnah and the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is the haq. And this is the only thing that can be accepted by, this is the only thing that will be accepted by Allah ta'ala. This is the only thing that will be accepted by Allah. It's the deen of Islam. And so, when it comes to anything else, then there's no discussion around it, or whether it's acceptable or not, or whether it's based upon your opinion, or based upon your feeling, or your experience. Because how can you say now, if, so if you don't have that experience, that you're not going to be guided to that, to that deen, if it's true guidance? The haq is not subjective. The haq is absolute Qur'an sunnah. And what a person has to in relation to that. Allah Ta'ala knows best. Thereafter, Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad Abdul Haqqa also mentioned the delil for siyam, the delil for the fast. Ya ayyuhu al-ladhina amanu kutiba alaykum al-siyamu kama kutiba ala al-ladhina min qablikum la'allakum tattaqoon. Oh, you believe indeed. The fast has been prescribed, I made an obligation upon you. Just has been prescribed, I made an obligation upon those that came before you. 
And so this is a clear indication of the obligation of the fast of Ramadan. And that it was obligated upon the Ummah of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Likewise, Allah Ta'ala mentions how the fast is done, when it begins and when it ends. Allah Ta'ala mentions, وَكُلُوا وَشْرَبُوا حَتَّى يَتَبَيَّنَ لَكُمُ الْخَيْتُ الْعَبْيَدُ مِنَ الْخَيْتُ الْعَسْوَدِ مِنَ الْفَجْرِ ثُمَّ أَتِمُوا الصِّيَامَ إِلَى اللَّيْلِ And so Allah Ta'ala states, eat and drink until the white thread is distinguished from the black. Of Fajr, referring to the Fajr Thani, second Fajr. And then complete the fast until the night. I the night, the beginning of the night, referring to Maghrib. And so this is the fast as an obligation. The fast as an obligation upon the Muslim. That he completes the fast uh, within the month of Ramadan. And so the fast is completed within a set time, Muddah Zamaniyah. As for the word Asiyam, then it refers to the word, or is, ref- or is meaning linguistically, as Imsak, and it's withhold, to withhold from something. As for the Siyam Shari, the Siyam in the Sharia, then it's withholding from the Muftirat, it's withholding from the things that break the fast, Al-Kabira was Sagira, the major things that break the fast, the minor things that break the fast, Min Tulu Al-Fajr Al-Thani Ila Ghurub Al-Shams. From, or Ma'aniya, Yani Ma'aniya, Min Muftarat, Al-Kabira was Sagira, Min Tulu Al-Fajr Al-Thani Ila Ghurub Al-Shams. So when it comes to the, 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 the fast in the Sharia, then his definition is that the individual, he withholds with the intention, yeah, the intention of ibadah, the intention of fasting, Allah. he withholds from all of the things that break the fast, whether it be the major things that break the fast, or the minor things that break the fast, from the dawn, the second dawn, or the true dawn, until the sunset. So if a person, for example, he doesn't eat or drink, and so happens that he hasn't eaten since Fajr. And then he starts eating and drinking after Maghrib. It cannot now be said that this individual has fasted the fast yani, in accordance with the Sharia. Why? Because that fast was not with the niyyah. The fast is not with the intention. If the person is to fast in a manner which is according to the Sharia and upon them, is to fast with the intention. Is to fast with the intention. Likewise, the person must stay away from the things that break the fast in the major sense. Aye, the things that break the fast in the major sense are what, Ikhwa? Eating. Marital relations. <laughs> Drinking. <laughs> Eating, yeah, you definitely can't drink. Even though Allah knows best, how many of us have probably been asked, even water, you can't drink water. Nah, nah, you can't drink water. Now, eating, drinking, uh, mouth relations, and things of, of this nature. 
what are the things that so these are the things that break the fast if the person breaks the fast with these things for example in Ramadan upon them is Al-Qadah they have to repeat the fast Naam they have to repeat the fast whether they break the fast due to a legislative reason or not they, that the fast has to be yeah, they made up for as for the things that break the fast in the minor sense then what is understood by that? Lying, no. It lessens the reward. So anything which is regarded as being called zur, as the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he mentions man lam yada akolu zur, whoever does not leave a full speech, wa amal bihi, and acting upon it, laysi lillahi haja and yada taam wa sharam. Whoever does not leave a full speech and acting upon it, Allah Taala is not required for him to leave off his food and his drink, meaning that his fast is diminished. He leaves off his food and his drink, but he's diminished in that regard to that fast. Because he's acting up, he's, he is upon, he's either engaging in full speech or he's acting upon it. I, anything from muharramat, anything that's haram. And so, these are the things that may break the fast, yani, in terms of the minor sense. Right, the person's fast is still intact, they don't have to make it up, but it's diminished. And Allah Ta'ala, within this ayah, he addressed. The people by way of Iman. Ya iwaladina amanu. Ya iwaladina amanu. And so, no doubt this address to them by way of Iman is a means of sharf. Is a means of addressing them upon yeah, in a manner which is honorable with them. And Allah Ta'ala, within the Quran, he will address the people by Ya Ayyuhannas. And we discussed, I believe, it might have been quite the other one. I don't remember. But we discussed the difference between the two. They don't remember what they were. Which is the difference? So before, before the hijrah it was, Ya nas and after the hijrah, Ya Yuhaladina Amanu. So before, the, so within Mecca, it was Ya Yuhannas. I had a da'wah, and the da'wah of Tawheed. After, is Ya Yuhaladina Amanu. What if it's in, so that's the surah. Surah if Ya Yuhaladina Amanu, is uh, Medina, Ya Ayyuhannas is Mecca. If now the Surah has Ya Ayyuhalladina Amanu and Ya Ayyuhannas, for example, Surah Al-Baqarah, then it is Madani. Naam. If it has both of them, it is Madani. Allah Ta'ala knows best. So, <coughs> this address here within this, within this ayah in Surah Al-Baqarah, Ya Ayyuhalladina Amanu, is addressing the believers in the time, at the time of Medina. I, with the obligation of the fast. And this ayah is a, is a proof of the, the obligation of the fast, and that the fast was an obligation upon the Umm the Sabiqah as well. That the fast was an obligation upon the previous nations, and is now an obligation upon the Umm of Muhammad. And so, this is the, uh, the proof that is mentioned in that regard. Thereafter, Shaykh al-Islam, Muhammad Abdul Wahab, goes on to mention, وَدْلِيلُ الْحَجِّ 
Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad Abduhaqa was to mention the Dalil for Hajj. And And so the delil, Hajj is the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wallahi al nasi, Hijjul baytin min astata'a ilayhi sabila. Oman kafra fi inna Allah ghaniyun al alameen. And Allah ta'ala mentions that for the sake of Allah upon the people is to perform the Hajj, the bait Allah al haram. Whoever is able to do so in upon that way. And whoever disbelieves, then Allah ta'ala. It's sufficient of all of the creation of the world, within the worlds. And so this ayah is a proof of the hajj. Hajj, barakallahu fikum, is the performance of the pilgrimage once in a lifetime of the Muslim. The pilgrimage once in a lifetime of the Muslim. And thus the hajj is performed, once the hajj is performed, barakallahu fikum, then the person can say that they've completed this action and it's, it's no longer an obligation upon them. As for Hajj, Hajj is of three types. Hajj is of three types. And if you're not aware of this, it's good to, to write this down. So you know, well, there you are. Now, we'll go for each one of them. So the first Hajj is, well, you don't know. It's the last one. We'll do it first if you want. Tamatta is Umrah Hajj together. But there's a, there's, a, there's a significant difference what happens in Tamatta. So the first one is Hajj Tamatta. <coughs> and how, what is significant with that? <laughs> so for Tamatta, Hajj Tamatta, you enter into ihram, perform the umrah. When do you perform umrah? No, when, when? Oh, when, sorry. I thought you said that. No, no. In the answer of hajj, which are? The Qaqda al-Hijjah? The one prior to? The Qaqda. You don't know? You know it. So what? So within these months, the person performs Umrah within these months. So the person performs Umrah within the months of Hajj, whether it be Shawwal, Dhul Qa'da, or Dhul Hijjah. So they perform Umrah with the intention of being part of their Hajj. And then they leave the state of Ihram. So they come out of the state of Ihram. Now. And then they enter again into the state of Ihram to perform Hajj during the days of Hajj. Does that make sense? Some of Ahlul Imam, they differ as to whether the person has to stay in Makkah or not. So do they have to stay in Makkah? If they, once they've done the Umrah, can they just leave um, uh, Makkah and do whatever they want to do? Or do they have to stay in Makkah? Allah uh, Second, so that's Hajj Tamatu. Second. The second type. 
التمتع وصفة التمتع يقول أنا يتسمع سيد العائلة حاج الكرام حاج الكرام وسط وقت حاج الكرام حاج بايسوف ونقول حاج الكرام حاج بايسوف ها I wouldn't. This wrong. This wrong. Hajj al-Kiran is when you do the Umrah and the Hajj together. However, you do not leave the state of Ihram. So you perform the Umrah and then the Hajj. Now you do not leave the state of Ihram between the two. So the same Ihram you assumed, the state of Ihram you assumed for the Umrah, you remain in that state until you perform the Hajj. Naam. And then the final one? <laughs> What's it called? Hajjul <laughs> if Ifrad. Hajjul Ifrad. And this is the Hajj that the person has mentioned, where the person forms the Hajj by themselves. To have the Hajj by themselves. Ifrad. Question now is which is. Another, the best type of Hajj to perform. Tamatta. The first one. The second one. The second one. Why? Why why the first one? Actually you said first, so why the first one? Huh? The one the Prophet so you're saying it's the Tamatta because the Prophet sorry, so performed it. Now you said the second one, why? So you saying Tamatta because the Prophet Sallallahu performed Tamatta. What if I was to say, tell you the Prophet Sallallahu performed Kiran? No? He did Sallallahu did Hajj once. Hajj al And that was Hajj al Kiran. That's Tamatta. So essentially, now. <laughs> Hajj al-Tamattu and Allah Ta'ala knows best is the best form of Hajj to do. And even though he didn't do it himself, it was mentioned in the hadith of Aisha that he, if he was able to do so, he would have done the Hajj al-Tamattu. And he was only prevented from doing it due to the fact that he travelled with the cattle, with his slaughter. And so he had to perform the Hajj al-Kiran. However, he's in, he's, he mentioned in the hadith of Aisha that if he, if, he, if he was able to, he would have performed Hajj al-Tamattu. So we say that this is the best of the three in Allah Ta'ala's best. And so this is just a, just a small just, uh, indication or discussion around the Hajj. And again, the ayah mentioned is a clear indication of the obligation of performing the Hajj. However, this obligation, as Sheikh uh, Zaid mentions, is muqayyada bil istita'a. And so this obligation is attached and it is, it is, a, is a conditional upon and restricted to the person having the ability. That now the person has to perform the, the, the hajj, however, it's upon them to do so if they have the ability. Now, فَمَنْ لَمْ يَكُنْ مُسْتَطِيعًا 
However, is not able to do it, then the hajj is not upon him nor the umrah. Why do you think the Sheikh Zayd mentioned wala umrah? We're talking about hajj. Why is he mentioned umrah here? It's a good answer, strong, but it's good. No? Because some of the ulama mentioned that it's wajib. And Allah Ta'ala knows best from what's most apparent from the narration that it's wajib. Umrah is wajib. And the only reason that maybe it's not something that is, that is seen by the people as, or the obligation of it is not seen to the extent that it should be is because hajj is a pillar from the pillars of Islam. Umrah is not a pillar. However, it's an obligation. And Allah Ta'ala knows best. So, the fact that when it comes to hajj, istita'ah, having the ability, is a condition. Likewise, it's mentioned with umrah as well, that the person has to have the ability to do so. And so, when it comes to the ability, the person must be able to have yani, the vehicle or the riding beast that will be able to take him and return him from his hajj. And he has to be, have to be able and have the ability to perform يعني, the hajj يعني, physically. Likewise as well, when it comes to the person having or performing the hajj, the tariq has to be one of security. There has to be a secure path for them to go. And so now in this day and age where, we, where, we, where generally there's planes that fly everywhere, the secure path, generally every path is secure. Generally every path is secure. But if we're talking about the person travelling upon the land, it may not be a case where every path a person travels upon is secure and safe. And so this is also from what enters into this affair of ability. And then Allah Ta'ala ends the ayah by mentioning the ones who disbelieve. And reject and do not, naam, did not believe in his obligation. Then these are individuals that are referred to as the, as the kuffar, the, the person is a kafir. Naam. And this is due to the fact that they have rejected an obligation from the obligation of Islam and rejected something that is. Uh, an obligation or a rejection of that which is found within the Quran. Rejection of the Quran. Just as you find the one that rejects the obligation of the salah, this individual, kafra bil wa bil The one that rejects the obligation of the salah, they've disbelieved. Ijma'. The one that rejected the, the obligation, those individuals that rejected the obligation of zakah, what happened with them? Wabakr, radiallahu fought against them. Naam, when he was the khalifa, radiallahu anhu. So the affair of the one that rejects any of these arkan of Islam, then the person is kafir. The person is disbelieved. As Allah Ta'ala mentions, وَمَنْ كَفَرَ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ غَنِيمًا عَنِ الْعَالَمِينَ And whoever disbelieves in Allah Ta'ala is sufficient of any of the alameen, of the creation within the worlds. And so these, mention, or these, these points mentioned are the, are the adilla and the points of proof when it comes to يعني, the affair of Islam, its pillars, and the proof 
for the pillars. <coughs> and we'll conclude here. Inshallah, next lesson, we'll start afresh with a discussion around the next maratabha, uh, the next level of deen, which is referring to iman. And the discussion about iman, when it comes to its definition, definition of iman, what is the correct creed of iman, the creed of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah when it comes to iman, as well as the, the creed of Ahlul Bid'ah when it comes to iman as well. Allah Ta'ala's best. Wanaktafi. Hadha qadr barakallahu fikum. Sallallahu wa barak ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam wa akhir da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Okay.